More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in 14 hours up, 14 hours down. This is the final hour of the week. We appreciate all of you who've been hanging out with us for all week long. Encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton's name. You can also go download the iHeartRadio app and you can listen to us all over the country, wherever you may be, indeed around the world uh, as we come into the fall and People start to maybe start to make a little bit of uh, plans for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you're looking ahead, and believe it or not, it's going to be here before too long. In fact, we are, as we were talking about earlier in the show, exactly four months from the Iowa caucuses. And Donald Trump has opened up, according to Fox News, the biggest, most substantial lead of the primary season so far. We've been discussing what the impact of that might be. And so far, Buck, there may be more drama, interestingly, on the Democrat side of the ledger right now than there is on the Republican side. Now, Trump obviously is a one-man drama machine, so there always are a lot of different stories, and we got a ton of different candidates running, and so there are a lot, there have been a lot of stories on the Republican side. But I would say this week, the Democrat side has been the one with turmoil. And it's not just Joe Biden. It's also Kamala Harris. And I want to play just a few of these cuts because there are a lot of prominent Democrats that are not saying that they think Kamala Harris is a good choice. Uh, a couple days ago, Nancy Pelosi, this was with Anderson Cooper on CNN. I want to re- refresh it for all of you out there. She was directly asked, is Kamala Harris the right choice at VP? Listen to her answer. Is Vice President Kamala Harris the best running mate for this president? He thinks so, and that's what matters. And by the way, she's very politically astute. I don't think people give her enough credit. Uh, She's, of course, values-based, consistent with the president's values and the rest. And people don't understand, she's politically astute. Why would she be vice president if she were not? People shouldn't underestimate what Kamala Harris brings to the table. Do you think she is the, the best 
running mate, though? She's the vice president of the United States. So people say to me, well, why isn't she doing this or that? I said, because she's the vice president. That's the job description. Okay, so Nancy Pelosi <laughs> is smart, Buck. She's good at answering questions. It's a yeah. pretty easy question. Well, she's good at not answering questions, too, yeah. which we hear. I mean, Buck, if you were going to go to a wedding and somebody said, hey, do you think that this is a good match? Is this husband or this wife, is that a good selection? And your response was, he thinks so. It's yeah. like, that's that's a pretty good shot at the bride or the groom when you can be like, yeah, she's great. Yeah, he's great. If somebody says he thinks so, now... This is also uh, Jamie Raskin, who is very high up in the House leadership as well, active speaker all the time. He was also asked on CNN, is Kamala Harris the right choice for VP? He said this. There didn't seem to be anything wrong with that answer. You are doing what Speaker Pelosi did, which is not answering the question. Do you think Kamala Harris is the best running mate for President Biden? Well, obviously, she she gave the right answer. That's President Biden's choice. It's just a simple question. Do you think Kamala Harris is the best running mate for President Biden? You've said she's excellent. That's farther than Speaker Pelosi went. Do you think Kamala Harris is the best running mate for President Biden? Yes or no? I mean, I don't know what else I can say other than she you would be yes. an excellent running mate and an excellent vice president. Well, Jake Tapper you say, is filleting you, you. You can say yes. You can say yes. I think Kamala Harris is the best vice president and the best running mate for President Biden. You might be a stronger vice presidential running mate than her or me or anybody else. Wait, that's well, what weird. is that? What did that even mean at the end? That 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 was well. That's bizarre. a shot at her too. But why won't they just say yes, Buck? Well, see, this is where I, I, I think that there's still a, like, it's like they're waiting to get the orders from the dear leader on this one. You know, they're not really sure. Pelosi knows that if she says, yeah, she's amazing. And as we discussed, I'm, we're reading tea leaves here. I don't think Nancy Pelosi likes Kamala Harris. Yes. You don't I think agree. so either. We, we I agree on that. We don't think she likes, we just don't think she likes her. And when people have egos this big, um, they will put whether they like someone or not ahead of what they think is best for their party. In this case, obviously the Democrat party. So what's going on here? I, I think that there is a thought out there right now that what they, here's what I think the Democrats would like to do. Cause I've been mulling this over a lot. Cause as you know, I have been on Biden's going to be the nominee. I have not yep. wavered for that for a day. But clearly they got to come up with something here because the age issue and no one thinks he's going to make it through a second term as president. Like, I, I don't that's another poll that you should see. Do you, if Biden were to win, I'm not saying he will. If Biden were to win, would he make it through another four years? I think a lot of people would say no. Um, so with that, in I don't mind, think you would. I right, don't think you would. With that in yeah. mind, what is the plan? The obvious rejoinder from a lot of people be it's Kamala Harris. I think they're trying to figure out. Is there a way we could artfully, perhaps gently move aside Kamala as the VP in this process oh, and put someone else in Biden? Because you would then, yes. yes, put someone else on the ticket. Now, people would say, oh, you can't you can't do that with Gavin Newsom. But if you put a I think the Democrats would have to find another uh, minority female candidate. Yes. And Kamala could come up. And again, I don't think that this is going to happen, but I, if you hear why they're hesitating, there are my bottom line here. 
I think they're considering a way to do this because they got to do something and they don't have other good options. And it would be, how do we get Kamala to say, oh, I'm going to focus. I'm going to, you know, run for something or other. I don't know, whatever. And have somebody take her, her, take her spot for term two of Biden. That's what I think they would like to figure out how to do. I don't know if they can get there, though. That's why the talk was that they might put her on the Supreme Court instead of Katanji Brown Jackson. Because Biden had said, we're going to put a black woman on the Supreme Court, and you could have put Kamala Harris on. It seemed like she didn't want that job. And here, we make fun of The View a lot, because it's the dumbest show on television. We're glad it exists, though. Yes. Sonny Hostin, I don't know that I've ever said this before, she's actually 100% right with this take. Listen to what she said, Buck, about the idea of replacing Kamala. Over the past five elections where, where you've had a Democrat win, they needed the black vote. Ninety-one percent of African Americans voted for Biden and will continue to vote for Biden if Kamala is his running mate. I would be very careful, President Biden, about getting rid of Kamala Harris because we will not support you. What? Wait, 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 hold up. My, when have my you opinion. ever seen, no, no, your opinion is valid and beautiful and all of that, but when was the last time you saw anybody get rid of if Biden gets rid of Kamala Harris and inserts someone else, he will lose the black vote. Okay, okay. Now, this is interesting. Yeah. I think that she is correct, except for if they were able to come up with, let's say, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Karen Bass, Karen I think, Bass, is the mayor of, mayor of L.A. Uh, of LA. Was, I was going to yeah. say, I, I don't know if Stacey Abrams has quite the same. You would, if you were, if you're looking at this as a Democrat political strategist, the only way you could do this would be to replace Kamala Harris as VP with a black female leader, politician, etc., who polls better within the Democrat Party and would bring a little bit more sturdiness and confidence in the future of a Biden ticket. Right. That's the only way. Can they can they figure that out? Can they do that? You can tell. Why is the view talking about this? Everybody, we're sensing this too. the power players, the Democrat Party. There are clearly discussions going on about we got to think of something. We got to do a game change, if you will, to go back to the 2008 HBO movie. Right. When they when they went with Sarah Palin with with John McCain, they thought they had to mix something up there. Um, I think that they're talking about it. Now, that's not the same thing as saying it'll happen, but I mean, I didn't even know about that clip. That's funny yeah. that I, I'm just, I was basing it on the Pelosi and some of the other things that we've seen. Um, they, I think that the belief here is if people, if enough Democrats and moderates are comfortable with the VP choice under Biden, his age becomes less of an issue. Therefore, Biden can still safely be the guy for the next 15 months. And that's when well, that's how they fix the problem in their minds. But to but what Sonny Hostin said is true. If the black vote is noticeably, um, you know, lacking in turnout for Biden, which I, I, I don't know, if, you know, who knows what that what would happen if you change the VP, they lose the election. No question. Full stop. Black women are the backbone of the Democrat Party. They vote something like 97 to three. For Democrats. There is no demographic that is more heavily Democrat in the voting patterns than you look at the major national data. There's or no any demo, no demo that is that heavily Republican. Like no group that you can break down in all of American politics is as committed to a party as black women are to the Democrat party. What's interesting is a lot of black men are breaking off. We talked about this yesterday. 
the uh, Biden approval rating for men is only one in three men approve of the job that Biden is doing. Two to one men in this country say Joe Biden is doing an awful job. And a lot of those men are Hispanic, black. Like you can't get to, you know, almost 70% of men agreeing on something without having a lot of minority support in there as well. So men have basically said, Joe Biden, you're a disaster. Women support Joe Biden, which is crazy, like 48 to 45, according to the most recent Quinnipiac poll. And black uh, voters support Joe Biden. It's not a lot. It's like 55 to 44. That's the only two groups he's uh, uh, above water in right now, uh, Buck, is women. And by the way, women, how in the world can you think that Joe Biden is doing a good job? Again, men are like two to one. He's doing awful. Nearly 70% of men are like, this guy sucks. Women think that Joe Biden is doing a good job more than think he's doing a bad job. And black women are the absolute crux of how that happens. What do, what do you think? Is there, is there a pathway that the Democrats could, and look, people will still, they will be saying, I mean, some in the audience will probably call in or email us a second. They'll say, you know what solves this? What solves the Democrat problem here? Michelle Obama. Yep. They'll immediately say that. Uh, yes. And they'll immediately. Now, it would solve the problem. We've just always been told Michelle Obama has no interest in doing that. But that would what would what it would mean is Michelle Obama could be in a position where effectively she's promised the presidency without actually having to run as president. She'd be in a vice president role. She'd be appointed in that regard. And. I think that, you know, there would be a lot of dynamics that would be favorable for Democrats in that situation. And then what could they probably, you say, why would Kamala ever do this? Oh, please. Come on. Think of uh, Kamala all of a sudden. Kamala's memoir, if she were to agree to a plan like this, $10 million. Big publishing oh, they would company would say $10 million for Kamala's memoir. No problem. The board seats that she would get, Kamala would become, I mean, she's already, I believe, you know, wealthy or husband's wealthy, but Kamala would be worth 30 to 50 million dollars basically overnight if she went along with a plan like this because the Democrat apparatus knows how to get this stuff done. Again, not saying this will happen, but I am telling you there are people who are considering how to make this, how to make this happen who matter in the Democrat party right now. And this would also tie in if you truly believe that the Obama administration, remember that huge tablet article about how Obama stayed in DC? All of his people stayed in D.C. He's continued to be involved, pulling the puppet, the puppet master, so to speak. That would be the ultimate puppet master play. Because what they would do, Buck, is they would bump out Kamala. They would put in Michelle Obama. I bet right after the midterms, they would replace, like Biden would step down. Michelle Obama would be elevated to president of the United States. And then she would run as the incumbent with potentially eight full years in addition to the remaining two of the Biden administration. She could be a decade in office in their mind. Just think about it. Just think about it. That would be a grand master chess move if the Democrats were able to pull it uh, off. But I really, I mean, I've heard this even from Democrats. I know who are very plugged in. Michelle Obama doesn't, she, she's worth, you know, the Obamas are worth hundred million dollars. I mean, yeah. you, know, who, you know, whatever the figure is, they have, they have, more money they could ever know what to do with. They're living great lives. Does she want to go through with that? I still think the answer is no, but that would be a game change that would, that would switch things up in a real way. Yeah. And also, by the way, it would, you know, she would get dirtied up 
because usually the first lady is pretty popular because she doesn't get dragged into the mud like the president does. But she'd be a VP, right? Yeah, she right. Go, she comes in as VP, and you know what I mean. This this is I always no, feel I like mean, it's it's a regency move. You know, it's it's basically I mean it's what Hillary wanted, right? Like I'm going to follow in Bill Clinton's shoes, except. Michelle Obama would get to do it without having to actually Cause, run. Because here's the thing. Stacey Abrams, for example, because if we're, if we're going to go with the premise that it would have to be a black female uh, politician who would step in for Kamala Harris and Kamala would willingly step aside for the reasons that I laid out, uh, that, that, that wouldn't look – you would need somebody that to everybody it would be clear this is helpful to the ticket. And I'm not sure that that would be the case with, with a Stacey Abrams because you – Stacey Abrams is lost, right? Yeah. I mean, she's lost two elections. Kamala and, Harris, we, we talk a lot about how unpopular she was, the senator from California before this. Yeah, and who was the uh, the woman who lost to Marco Rubio in Florida? Because she was another one of the uh, the, the Florida uh, congresswoman. She was another one of the women that, that Biden considered. I think probably Karen Bass would be the one that they would point to and say she's done better because she's actually the mayor of L.A. That, that, she won that, that. Maybe, that would be, and, you know, that's an easier option, I think, for them to uh, to make as a switch here, yeah. We welcome our friend Dutch Mendenhall to the circle of published authors. Dutch is the co-founder and CEO of Rad Diversified, a sponsor here, and now he's a proud author of a new book out this summer. Books titled Money Shackles, and he makes reference to financial shackles so many Americans have in the way of debt. It comes with a stigma that does. He believes it's the wrong thought and the wrong teachings. In his book, he'll give you his strategies to use debt to your advantage to tap into lucrative alternative investment vehicles to redefine your American dream. Dutch is on a mission to be at the forefront of the greatest financial change in American history and to look beyond Wall Street and see the future of alternative investments. Get ready for the redefined American dream with the book Money Shackles. Learn more at therad.com. That's T-H-E-R-A-D.com. Therad.com. Break free from your money shackles. Visit therad.com. Speaking truth and having fun. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is that is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. So we're talking about the movements on the chessboard of American politics right now. Our friend Vivek Ramaswamy weighed in on the Hunter Biden indictment. Here's what he had to say. Play six. I think the more we're going to talk about Biden, the less of an opportunity we actually have, because he's going to be a sacrificial lamb. You mark my words, even that Hunter Biden indictment, which I think is itself a smokescreen earlier today, that's just going to be one more lever they use to get Joe Biden to get out of the way when he has stopped serving his useful purpose. Yeah. I don't see. I don't see. I think the system has been protecting Hunter and Joe at every turn. I don't. Clay, where do you come down to this? I don't buy the. There's some hand behind the scenes that's finally pushing Joe aside with this. I think that Merrick Garland and Weiss got embarrassed by the collapse of their sweetheart deal. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday. It's one thing to be doing the rig job. It's different when everybody sees you doing the rig job and they start to call you out for being a stooge. And I think we reached the stooge uh, aspect here. And I really wonder what the relationship is like between Joe Biden and Merrick Garland. Maybe one thing to kind of keep on the horizon, Buck, is Merrick Garland going to step down? Just think about it. Like, if he thinks it's so messy, does he decide to bail? I think that's something to put on the horizon and think about. There are some who speculate we may hear an announcement from the federal government when it comes to our currency system. According to former Wall Street insider and digital currency expert Tika Tawari, we could hear something this fall. The plan he's hearing suggests we might see digital dollars in place of the currency system that we've all gotten so used to because it's what we've used our whole lives. You know Business Insider, the big website? They confirmed this as an idea. They wrote, quote, the U.S. Treasury's efforts to create a U.S. digital currency could be imminent. Tika's put a lot of thought into this, and he's pulled together some information in a video that he's posted online. He wants you to see and learn and take action from it. Go to DollarRecall.com to watch this video and learn how you can opt out of a possible digital dollar. DollarRecall.com is the website paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. We are joined now as we come down the home stretch of the Friday edition of the program by Gerard Baker, former editor-in-chief of the Wall Street Journal, now the editor-at-large. He's got a new book, American Breakdown, Why We No Longer Trust Our Leaders and Institutions and How We Can Rebuild Confidence. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing some of your takes here, Gerard, but I want to start, uh, and thanks for coming on with us, love the newspaper, love the work you guys do at the Wall Street Journal, with what I would say is the biggest story of the week so far, and it's actually Joe Biden under siege. Washington Post top columnist says he shouldn't run. Hunter Biden indicted. A lot of people out there saying that it's time for Biden to step down. Do you think Joe Biden will be the Democrat nominee next year running for re-election, or do you think it'll be someone else? 
Ice, thanks very much indeed for having me on. Uh, it's very kind of you. Um, and a good Friday afternoon to you and your listeners. I still think he will be. I mean, you're absolutely right. It is, it is a, it, there does seem to be something afoot. Um, that columnist, uh, in the Washington Post, you talked about some of the polling that we've seen out, uh, recently, some of the kind of, you know, more chatter about Biden's poor performance at that press conference in Vietnam. Look, I think what's going on, I still, I think the problem though that they have is they don't have, a plausible alternative. That's that's really the Democrats' problem. I think you know Joe Biden. I think I think the reason we're hearing about this right now is that um, for a long time it's been the conventional wisdom in Washington, wrong as usual as the conventional wisdom usually is. But it's been the conventional wisdom that for all Joe Biden's faults, he'll beat Donald Trump. Donald Trump can't win the presidency. He can't win a general election. He can win the Republican primary. He can't win the presidency. I've always thought that was wrong. I've always thought it's nonsense. I think with the economy likely weakening next year, I think actually, you know, the polling already shows Trump uh, at least neck and neck with Biden. He, he could certainly win. And I think that realization that he could win, that Biden could lose is starting to seep in. And I think that's starting to make some Democrats panic a little bit and think, oh, God, we may be not only have we got this old guy who really isn't up to the job anymore, but after all that, he may lose to Trump. The problem is, though, uh, I don't think they have an alternative. Who's If he steps down, who's it going to be? Kamala Harris probably is the inside track. You know, that's frankly, I'm no Joe Biden fan, but that scares me even more than Joe Biden, than another four years of Joe Biden. Or, you know, Gavin Newsom, Gretchen Whitmer. I mean, these these are not, these are not, you know, names that I think are likely to be a shoe in or even frankly likely to be the favorite against Donald Trump. So I kind of think they're stuck with Biden. Gerard, thanks for being here with us. So your book, American Breakdown, why we no longer trust our leaders and institutions and how we can rebuild confidence. Why do we no longer trust leaders and institutions? What, what has changed? What have we learned? What have we seen that you get into in this book as people are going off onto their weekends here? I think it's uh, worth getting into some of the underlying foundational philo- uh, philosophical issues here so i think there are there are factors there are multiple factors that explain why people have lost lost trust in the major institutions and the numbers are incredibly striking i, I went back and looked in detail at gallup takes these regular surveys other other organizations do too and trust as a whole in government media education science and technology big business um Across the board, in all of these major institutions that kind of lead American life, trust has collapsed in the last 20 or 30 years or so. Just It's down across the board. Now, I think that's due to a number of factors that have to do with the specific institutions themselves. Frankly, people have decided that government lies to them, uh, which who can blame them? Uh, government has done a, a terrible performance in many ways over the last 20 years. It's got very big and it's not doing things that people like. And I think that re- reason pe- people don't trust the government. The media, we all know the stories of how the media, quite frankly, have become, you know, have made stories up in the last few years, have become increasingly partisan, increasingly biased, increasingly in pursuit of an agenda. Big business, big business has become incredibly woke. Uh, it's become globalist. It's very much uh, focused on, you know, global markets and global profits at the expense of Americans. So again, all of these things have been going on. If there's a defining common characteristic, though, I would say, and this is what I write about in the book, I think it is this, these elites that have taken control of these institutions, these people who all think alike, they have the same kind of views, 
They have the same views on you know, American history and they have the same views on race and gender and immigration and the importance of, you know, global uh, cooperation and global integration. They have taken they've seized control of these of all of these institutions and they are they are an elite. I, I don't really like using that word, but they basically are an elite. They are they they they, they have values that are fundamentally at odds with the values of most Americans. And the country, this country was, I, I'm an immigrant, as you can probably tell from my accent. I came here 30 years ago. I've been a journalist in this country for 30 years. This is the greatest country on earth. Its history has been one of extraordinary success built on the values that it was founded on. Obviously, it's needed to reform. There are a lot of bad things uh, have gone on in American history, but the great achievement of America and the genius of America is that it's been able to reinvent itself and recreate itself and based on fidelity to those core values. I think we are unfortunately now in all of our key institutions led by people, almost all of them anyway, who don't really share those values and who want to drive, who don't really want, who don't really want America to be America. They want America to be kind of like a, you know, like a European country, a social democratic country, or even, you know, even maybe an Asian country. They don't share those values. So I think that's why people fundamentally don't trust their leaders anymore. Is this something that a president can cure the right president, or do you think it's something that's rotten at the core? Uh, and if so, how do you fix it? It's going to require a president. It's going to require legislation, probably. It's going to require um, transformation of the legal system. I think we're already seeing that in terms of the, 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 the direction of the Supreme Court. Look, I mean, one of the things I look at in the book is the history. If there's good news in this book, it's that um, we've been here before. I mean, America's had these periods before where – you know, trust in their leading institutions has declined sharply where people feel alienated from their leading institutions. Look at, look at the 90, the late 1960s in particular. I always say to people who throw up their hands and say, Oh my God, things are terrible today. Go back and look at 1968. 1968, we had, um, you know, hundreds of Americans were dying every week in a war. Um, we had political assassinations, major political assassinations. We had political violence across the country. We had terrorism. The country was tearing itself apart and, you know, it did overcome those divisions. It took a while. You know, first of all, Richard Nixon was elected in 68 and then re-elected with a huge majority in 72. And he talked about the silent majority. And I think to some extent he was right about that, obviously, uh, talking of trust. I mean, his presidency ended in a collapse of trust with Watergate. And then we got through to the, to the, the rest of the seventies in a pretty, pretty, pretty shambolic way. And then we got Ronald Reagan in 1980. So, so a president can, and then, by the way, that's, when in the 1980s that's when once again people did have faith in america and faith in america's institutions and leadership so it takes time it takes presidential intervention it takes legislation it takes but above all it takes a cultural change and i think it takes people standing up and saying you know we're not and i think this is already happening i think again there's more good news here because i think that's already happening they're standing up and saying we are going to assert American values. We're going to assert these ideals and we're going to take our country back. And I think that, again, that is beginning to happen. It'll take time, but I'm confident that uh, that we'll get there. Gerard Baker, his book, American Breakdown, Why no, Why We No Longer Trust Our Leaders and Institutions and How We Can Rebuild Confidence. Get your copy today. Go check it out. And uh, Gerard, thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you both. Thanks for having me. Keep up the good work at the Wall Street Journal. They're I was going to say, uh, thank you for I giving us it. like a major broadsheet or a major newspaper that we can yeah. subscribe to. So we appreciate no doubt. it. Yeah, oh, thank you. Well, keep, I'm so glad you do. Thank you for thank you for reading and thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I do. My dad does. My brothers do. You know, we all we all like the, the journal. Uh, Clay, it's also a huge advantage to have a cool accent. I'm just going to say. No, no doubt. Huge. I'm sitting here. I'm just like, man. Imagine if I could do a radio show with that accent. I'd be amazing. Anyway. My cell phone company, Pure Talk, did something really smart this summer for their customers. Knowing how much data we're all consuming on our cell phones, they increased the data on each plan 
by 50% without increasing the monthly price by even a penny. Just $20 a month for unlimited talk, text, and now 50% more 5G data plus mobile hotspot. Pure Talk upgraded their service plan for all their customers, existing and new, without increasing the monthly cost. Pure Talk added 50% more data to every plan and started to include a mobile hotspot with each one with no price increase whatsoever. Most families on their family plan are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. And that's what Pure Talk provides as their service is on the same towers and the same networks as one of those three carriers. Dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck, make the switch to Pure Talk. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's pound 250, say Clay and Buck, and make the switch to Pure Talk today. You don't know what you don't know, right? But you could on the Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is that is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. We are closing up shop here before we head off into the weekend on Clay and Buck, which means it's a great time to remind you all, please subscribe to the Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Here's a good way to do it. The iHeartRadio app, a phenomenal app that you should all have downloaded to your smartphone because it is so useful and uh, so much fun to use. I use it every day myself. You can subscribe there to the Clay and Buck Show. Download the app, the iHeartRadio app. It is free. Um, I do uh, some extra monologue stuff, stories we didn't get to here on the show sometimes. Uh, we've got Tudor Dixon podcast. Other people will be joining in the podcast network. Plus, you've got the Sunday Hang, anything you missed. Lots of great stuff in that podcast feed. So I highly, highly recommend it. We have also, Clay, some uh, some calls here. Let's see. Um, Brian in Wichita, Kansas. Brian, what have you got for? Hey, hey, Megadittos, Clay and Buck. Thanks for taking Appreciate my that. call. 
I hate to be the pessimist here, but I've been feeling that there is a 0% chance that whoever the Republican candidate is will win, and there's a 100% chance whoever the Democrat is will win. Why? And my reasoning is, I think if it's Trump the nominee, there's enough never-Trumpers on our side that will refuse to vote for him. Can I just say and, that I, I've not seen? I mean, I hear this from people. I, yeah. I don't want to. You, you had an and there. I'll let you. We'll let you get back to the end in a second. But I mean, who the the notion of the never Trump people who are Republicans? I mean, Trump got by his own admission more votes than any Republican in history. In history, you know what I mean. So who are these Republicans? Who anyway? Keep going. Anyway, and my my flip side is if Trump is not the nominee and it's DeSantis or Vivek, whoever, um, there's enough Trumpers that will not vote for that person. So I think on our side we're doomed. I don't think uh, we're doomed. You know, I, I, mean, you're, you're I, think, I, I appreciate the call. I yeah. appreciate the call. I think I think if Biden is the nominee, I think the Republicans are going to win because I think it's going to come down to Biden's age. As the number and and dementia and look when I say age I mean he's going to be 82 and he's not going to be in his grip and control of his faculties 82 right there are 82 year olds listening to us right now that are 10 times uh, as with it as Joe Biden is so there's a v- wide yeah. variety of ages I I think we, if Biden we, we could is call it his yeah. we could call it his age related cognitive deterioration yes. right it's a specific thing that is tied to age in his case that is not the same for all people at that age or near his age and buck even that clip that we played yesterday where Biden sort of disgustingly pivoted when he was asked about Burisma and talked about the fact that his son died an old clip can, but yes yeah an old clip that's what i'm saying you listen to Biden talk in 2019 or 2020 when he was on the campaign to the extent he was on the campaign trail at all he has deteriorated markedly in his speech patterns and his ability to communicate just in the last three years. People can get mad at this, but it is a fact. There was no talk of, in any meaningful way, Biden's cognitive decline after the debates in 2020. Right after the debates, nobody was saying, oh my gosh, that moment when he was, you know, you know, gibberish up on, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So if, if we're hoping, and I don't mind, I don't even think he's going to debate this time. I'm not yeah. sure that I think so that, that, it, that means it's definitely not going to happen. Jim in Denver. Jim, what have you got going on? Dittos, guys. Hey, Mega Dittos, this um, has to do with the shadow government. I honestly believe that Biden, or Biden, Barack Obama and his uh, former staff is running the show that Joe Biden is just a useful idiot. You cannot tell me that, that uh, and, and Buck can respond to this, that the intelligence community wasn't telling Obama what Biden and his son were doing during his presidency because it would have affected his presidency i i agree a hundred percent with that argument buck i think the reason that obama did not pick joe biden was because both he knew that there was a cognitive decline underway and also i think he knew about some of these issues that were outstanding with uh with hunter biden and the biden crime family this stuff has been known since 2018 so it's not, um, you know, publicly, I should say. And if you want to think about what Obama would have known before the Republicans had to, or, you know, conservative media had to get this stuff out there, I think it is fair to say he would have had substantially more knowledge of what a mess some of the stuff within the Biden family is. I also just think he didn't believe Joe Biden was a very good politician or a very good candidate. I mean, I think it was, there's a broad, or even that smart. Too. 
or, or very smart. Um, and I think that he was generally disappointed by, oh, I shouldn't say disappointed by Biden, but I think he recognized that, you know, Biden is, the guy's a lightweight. He's just always been, he's kind of the ultimate political lightweight in so many ways. He's just never really stood for anything or made any meaningful mark. Um, other than, you know, looking like a, like a clown a lot of the well, time. You know, we're talking, Buck, about Biden's relationship with Kamala. Don't underestimate how disrespectful Obama's relationship with Biden was. He specifically chose not to endorse his vice president and picked his secretary of state, Hillary Clinton, and said, you're next woman up. You're the next person up. Yeah. And then don't forget the entire 2020 campaign. He didn't endorse Biden. Obama set out the election. We talk, we're talking now about Biden and whether he likes Kamala and what the relationship is like. It's hard to be more disrespectful of your vice president than to choose someone else to be the person you endorse in 16. Not the guy you worked with for eight years, but your secretary of state. And then for the entire 2020 campaign, you don't endorse Joe Biden until he's actually got the nomination locked up. You can't tell me that Obama is impressed by Joe Biden or thought that he was going to be a good president. I don't think Joe Biden is impressed by Joe Biden. But that's all <laughs> well, I, I think Joe Biden's very impressed by Joe Biden. Actually, that's I, I was just trying to be clever. Yeah, yeah, but, I don't, but I don't think that there's any basis for that at all now. We got a VIP email from, what's the name of the VIP? B- Bootsy? Is that really? Okay. Can we get a Buck Talks music and sports segment? Well, no, because it's going to sound like I'm just the old man yelling at everybody to get their music and their sports ball off my lawn. So I don't know if that's going to really be uh, particularly helpful or astute analysis to anybody. Unless we want to talk classical music, where I am more well-versed than most of the people listening to this would imagine, based on the fact I don't talk about it very often. I was a classically trained musician. To this day, nobody knows what the instrument is. I may have been asked to have been in an orchestra clay for Georgetown University, for example, but I didn't do it. So, you know... I just some things, some things out there. But on the sports side, I love talking about it. And if it's tennis, I can analyze it effectively. Beyond that, what are we saying? Roll you came this in, weekend. You came Hook'em. in this week and had a big hot tennis take uh, that I didn't know anything about. Like the people gluing themselves to the court was that that was this Monday, right? Like you last came week. in like that was last. Oh, okay, well, yeah, close. Um, all fired up about it. You got any big plans? By the way, happy birthday! He might be listening right now. My. Uh, middle son Lincoln turns 13 today, and my youngest son Nash turns nine on Sunday. So we are birthday partying it up in the Travis household. Two of my three boys having birthdays this weekend. What about you? What are you doing? Um, writing a book and playing tennis. That is my weekend. <laughs> and Yay. yelling at people for playing their music too loud in South Florida. That is definitely going to happen as well. They, they may or may not like, like the local, like, uh, Law enforcement may be familiar with me at this point just from the, excuse me, sir, there is loud music emanating from a party down the street. I feel the bass. Buck does not like to feel the bass. What's a male Karen? I don't even know what that is. (laughs) With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.